the Own Your Intuitive podcast is for the creatives, spiritual entrepreneurs, and light workers in the world. The shining ones who have been told to dim their light and stop believing in magic. I say screw that. The time to rise is now to bring your gifts out into the world in a big way, creating a business that feeds your soul and your bank account. You are a magical being with the potential to change the world, one human at a time. The time for you to own your intuitive is now. Oh my goodness, you guys. I am like epically excited to introduce you to today's guest. When I met them, wait till you hear them talk. Let's just firstly put that out there because the voice alone was like, I'm going to hang out with this person all night long. But it wasn't long after that, that our conversations led to some really, really incredible ways in which we were kind of like circulating in the same orbit. And so I am more than excited, I think I said that, to introduce you to Matthew Patty. Hey, Matthew, how are you? Hey, Tamara, really, really good. Super excited, just as much as you are. It's, uh, yeah, I told you about his accent. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> the, 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 the down under accent. I know, but it's always super fun for, you know, us Canadians to, you know, engage in a conversation with somebody that sounds so fun, right? Yeah, and you, and you. We, we do. I know. It. <laughs> so Matthew can you just kind of give a because people tuning in are like who is this guy and why did she bring Matthew on as a guest so can you give a little overview of who you are and what you do well that is interesting it seems to move like the the sands of the desert it really does at, at the at the root of it though I am a metaphysician I love the metaphysical world. I love the world of consciousness and healing and spirituality, and I apply it to business. So essentially, scale and consciousness is is my thing in business oh. and in personal life. Yeah. So good. So good. So that's where you are now. But now I want to kind of let's go back in time, shall we? And yes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite question to start with is uh, what, what would you, and well, however it comes out is the perfect way that it's meant to come out. What is, what is your origin story, Matthew? Well, it is probably not too dissimilar to, to uh, many other people. Um, you know, I do say it in quite a, you know, um, tongue in cheek sort of narrative when I've expressed it before that, you know, when I popped out, <laughs> so to speak, as my mum says, you, you didn't crawl and then walk, you just ran. And so, you know, I was into everything and, you know, my, my two young sons were very much the same as well. Um, but the really looking back on it, I could see that the world subconsciously from a very young age, not really knowing consciously that I was aware of it, but I just, I, I remember that it was upside down. And so we've come into an upside down world. We've come into an upside down reality. We've come into a, a reverse um, syntax or uh, um, uh, display of, of, of life. And when I looked at that, I, it didn't stop me. I experienced all different sorts of things. I had the same little insecurities that, you know, most little kids do, you know, but I, I kept moving forward with, you know, play and those sort of things. I remember very early on, though, that uh, my compassion compass really kicked in because, you know, there was some, uh, some being picked on quite early on, occasionally, not very often, um, 
you know, a little bit of bullying, but that was before my um, puberty kicked in. And then, you know, Gigantor started to take off before <laughs> everyone else having, you know, half Italian genes in me, you know, everyone else has still got, you know, smooth skin and I've got this, uh, you know, stubble starting to come in at the age of 11 or 12. And, uh, and then the rugby career started taking off. So instead of being in the, in the C's and D's, I now was in the A's because I just stormed through everyone. So, but my compassion compass kicked in because I could really appreciate what it felt like and I could feel it from others and whether they were a little bit weighty or whether they were skinny or whether they were awkward in some capacity, you know, I could really dial into that. And so I really remember very early on, um, right up into my uh, middle school years, you know, when I'd be saying around about the 15, 16 sort of mark before uh, finishing senior, uh, senior school and was the underdog that I would be on the rugby field and this absolute, they used to call me all beef because my surname is Patty. So all beef Patty or meat axe or, or whatever it's going to be, bone jarring, whatever it's going to be. But off the field, there was a real tenderness to me. And I, I think that was part of my, um, my uniqueness, but it's also part of my, uh, you could call, it's part of my superpower, but it's also part of my kryptonite. So there was that sensitivity there that I could pick up on other people's energies. And then, so, you know, that's, that really led me on quite a, uh, an incredible journey just to discover who I am. And, you know, we uh, end up kissing a couple of frogs or hugging a couple of camels or whatever it may be along the way. And, you know, but you keep going. You just, you keep moving. What is calling you? What's calling you next? So I'm not saying it would have been easy to be one of my partners in the early days, even, uh, even okay, this day. Pause. Because I'm like, okay, we're jumping ahead. We're jumping yeah, ahead here. Yeah. <laughs> like, so we're going we're really fast. We went from, like, we're in grade school and on the rugby <laughs> team to now we're talking about kissing girls. Okay. So, yeah. can you, because it's curiosity that makes me ask, did you, were you that aware that you were feeling people's emotions? Did you, like, think to yourself, like, I am actually tapping into the energy of others in those moments when you were, you know, in that sensitive conversation with people? I wouldn't say all the time. I think it started to become more pronounced around 14 or 15 or maybe yeah, around that sort of time. Um, so, you know, what I would call metacognition, I was aware of being aware. And, but before that, I think it was just who I was, you know, so. I think that yeah. that's a level uh, that not a lot of, you know, 14, 15 year olds can, can get to, right. Cause with hormones running and all of those other things going on, they're not, sensitive or aware of the fact that they're actually in an energetic exchange. Like, mm. again, I just, I, I think that that's a really cool thing about you already, Matt. Mm. Matthew, I want to call you Matt, Thank but you. I know that that's not the thing. Whichever, you know, all beef. All beef the for the rest of the, the podcast. <laughs> so my question for you is, because this is what it almost seemed like, is the way that the conversation was, was that you, you know, had realized that you could tap in, and lean in and be sensitive. And that was really awesome. And that was really helping you with the ladies at that point. Well, actually, I was quite shy. I was actually yeah. really, really shy in, in the sense that I had confidence in certain areas, but not in others. You know, so, you know, I had a great group of friends. We tended to go from, you know, early primary all the way through as a cluster. And, um, but yeah, I was very nervous 
very nervous around the 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 female folk <laughs> and you know and i think it came from that that self confidence not being able to to um to look people in the eye because there was a i think there was a feeling that i was going to be judged quite early on and so that's where you know very early on i did sing uh, i did individual pursuits like athletics and cross country and those sort of things uh, but i did enjoy the team stuff so where did this lead you after that level of school, where did you go into like from, I don't know if you call it college or university at that point. Yeah. So I went to, went to university and uh, started the first of two degrees and, you know, I was very interested in the science, the human body, um, everything to do with the mechanics, uh, physiology. And, and so that's, that's what I ended up uh, graduating as a physiologist and then went into management and I did a, a sports management um, uh, degree as well that actually tied that both together because I was actually working from probably the age of, I'd say 19, 19, I was picked up, um, by, you know, just, uh, an, an opportunity. And I started managing some health clubs and, uh, you know, those sort of things and being trained to work at uh, a semi senior sort of, yeah, between 19 and 21. And, and, you know, it was fast-tracked. It was definitely fast-tracked um, through those things. So there was an element that I could feel that I was chosen for positions that were ahead of my time through the eyes of others and that a lot of my staff, my staff, but a lot of the crew were actually older than me. And so that, that has, uh, you know, been fairly typical um, right up to, I guess, you know, a later turning point. But, um, but I was very interested in the human body. And I started to develop in my late teens as well, the interest. I left home around, I think it was after school. My parents separated. Uh, my sister was the youngest by four years from me. And so she stayed with mum and dad and then eventually with my father. But I was the first to leave home. My brother is 16 months older and he hung around. So he wanted to stay in the nest and all those sort of things. So I, I was just super troopering it in the world locally. And uh, um, I didn't really look back you know, the people sort of invest a lot of time in their past and become nostalgic. Um, I, I think that has been one of my uh, saving graces, but maybe one of my flaws as well. I don't tend to look back too often, but if I don't look, if I do look back, I don't stare. Yeah. Okay. That's a big statement. So then, cause now I'm just going to go totally off your story. Cause now I'm curious, like where we, we talk about, you know, emotion and being able to release emotion from the level of, of a past experience. Right. Um, so when you say like, I don't look back, do you, were you never like triggered or had any discomfort based on, on a past experience that you had to like kind of work through or let go of? Oh yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I think there's a, there was a level of confidence that I could make up, the shortfall in the experience in the next one. And but then it might have been on a couple of occasions that there was two or three experiences in a row, might have been spanning a couple of years. I think actually there's a cycle here that I really want to disrupt. And I consciously made the decision that's never going to happen again. And it didn't. So with that, like, because yeah. those who are listening are probably thinking, okay, great. So like, he's talking about a cycle. Are we talking about like a love cycle, a family cycle? Uh, like, you know what I mean? Can you give a little context to this so that we, we know what you're, you're kind of explaining or sharing with us? Yeah. So I'd, I'd say it, it um, if you could imagine, let's say that's like the flower of life and you've got these intersecting circles and you've got the, the seven there. So that each circle represents one area of your life. Let's just say, 
So I would say that there, were, uh, there was cycles occurring at slightly different time frames and crossing over in different areas of my life. So one could have been career and finance and uh, where there was a repeating pattern that I'd, I'd get a job, I'd last maybe, um, you know, 18 months to, to three years maximum, and then I'd roll that over. But I'd do something very similar again to tick some boxes, pay some bills and go on an adventure. And at the end of the day, I thought, well, how long lasting is this? Yeah. And then so with uh, relationships, then looking at, well, you know, there's, there's lots of chemistry, there's lots of engagement, but realistically, it was there a very deep understanding and appreciation for each other? Or was it really just, you know, you are chemically bonded and attracted because of, you know, the, the lower energy centers and there was really no engagement from the heart up, if you know what I mean? So then it started, yeah, so it started to sort of think, well, actually, there's volatility in those and that volatility is friction and the friction that it was created it was the heat that I needed to actually stop and, and take, uh, become aware. I said this, this, you know, because, you know, we had properties and we lost money and, and uh, then gained money and then went overseas and then did this and did that. And the, the whole time I was, you don't leave yourself. You're always with yourself. It doesn't matter, you know, who comes and goes in your life. You're the one with the self. And so you, you must, you know, in resting your awareness there, it's a case of saying, what is it that you really want? And I guess that's where I really started to ask the enigma known as Matthew okay. Perry. So my big question is, have you always talked like this? No. Okay. No. So when in the story did you like, cause it was it during, cause again, you're talking about the, the financial business cycle and the, and the cycle with relationships. And I'm trying to tie it into like, where were you maturity wise? Is this like a twenties thing? Is this like a thirties thing? Like, where were you when you had the awareness to say, Oh, I'm repeating a cycle. Cause if you're in a job for 18 months to three years and you're doing this a few times before, that's like a decade's worth of experience before you kind of like get the hit on the head that, you know, yeah. Hey, I'm, I, I've, Hey, I've been down this road multiple times and I keep yeah. getting to the same destination and I'm not taking a different road. Uh-huh. So, like, so, well, really, it was, that was through my 20s and into my early, I'd say most of my 20s. You know, I didn't really go over, I didn't go overseas or international tra uh, travel till I was 25. And at that moment, it was a double-edged sword um, severance of everything. Everything just got cut simultaneously within a period of four weeks. And yeah. I just took off. And I, so really, I, I appreciated going through those, those experiences and having what I desired. I, I put things out there and I worked towards them. And then as if by magic, they always occurred. And I arrived in great positions with great people, with great opportunities. But then when I arrived back home from being overseas, uh, back in my early 30s, then it started to dawn on me that, okay, I've got this adventure spirit. I've really got, I'm a Sagittarian of, you know, all these sorts of things. I like adventure. I like travel. Um, and I, I have lots of great ideas. So really there was a maturity that was starting to come in now. How are you going to apply it now? Because there was a resistance to me to come back home to my hometown. I thought, oh, look, it's just Brisbane. It's a country old town. It's not really, it's a bustling, you know, hybrid right now in Australia. Um, but back then I thought, well, I've, I was born and bred and grew up here and it was beautiful grow, um, growing up and, and, you know, incredible lifestyle. But there was a resistance to come home. 
And when I felt the resistance, it was like, okay, what is it that you're not wanting to face? Mm -hmm. And it was all my old decisions that I hadn't resolved. And so when I sat with that, I thought, okay, that is keeping me from a level of certainty and building a, a level of foundation. And so all through my 30s, I, I grew with a business partner, um, a company. And, you know, we met within two weeks. My father, this is about synchronicity as well. He knew he was, I was back home. His client owned a private hospital. He said, hey, my son Matthew's back at home. I hear that you, uh, one of your, your uh, consultants, is looking for um, someone to do some, some work in the field of physiology. Within two weeks, the guy looked at my resume and he said, for your age, this is just outstanding. He said, we need to do something. So for the next seven years, we built a company together. And it was eight, really eight years. And then um, to answer your question, it wasn't until the GFC. The GFC woke me up. That was the start of the next level of wake up where the global financial crisis, where everything started to crumble around me around 2009. And so, you know, it was family, it was finances, it was company, it was myself, but it was the best thing ever. So I released myself from this superficial world of X, Y, and Z, because there was really something that had been baking in me since my very late twenties that I wanted, that wanted to come out, this Christ consciousness, this, this, uh, this quantum capacity to change and morph and, and influence and, and, uh, and create. And I kept suppressing it in the world of the physical by building companies and by building and exper creating experiences. So come to the end of 2012, um, after going through, you know, uh, I had a mentor at the time and I used to, you know, work um, alongside him. He was, uh, you know, doing a lot of work through uh, the UK and through Australia. And, um, you know, we were serving, you know, a large community of four, 500 CEOs and uh, entrepreneurs. And my awakening came in there one day, one moment, one message, one mission. And it was a flash, total flash. And that's when my language changed. And everyone just said, this has always been new. And that was not new to them. It was new to me. Right. Our people have always observed me. Yeah. That's so cool. There's so many things I want to go back and touch on here because again, when I get that much information, I'm like, but I have questions. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I said I was going to bear all. <laughs> I know. I know. No, I love it because, you know, there's this, this curiosity for me when I hear a story and, and, you know, it's so in-depth and it's so rich and you have such uh, an awareness now of where you can look back on your life and see the way that it, you know, was completely set out for you, like divinely guided to get you to this moment. Mm. But when you say that you left Australia and were ready to never look back when you were 25, right? Like you said, I don't know what you were saying when you like, I cut everything off in that moment. And I'm like, what did you cut off? And what drew you out of the country in that time, in that phase or that season of your life? I think it was, it felt like the, the plates that I had spinning called my life, my career, my relationship, my family, all these sort of things, which were fine. They were really quite cool. There was some fr frustration or friction that was starting to, to come in, which is, which is necessary for growth. But it was like it was a bottle of champagne and I just needed to pop the cork because there had always been like a, a fear. I had no, inst no instinct to go overseas. Travel, yes, do things, you know, but right at that moment, it was, it just came in. It said, you have to go. 
And so there was, and that was 2T. <laughs> like, it's like, where did you go? What, oh, like, well, it, it, like it, it, just it, it, having to, a jobless, to, homeless, and just go uh, across? Like, what to, happened? <laughs> to England, to England. And this, this is all about, I, if I look back on it now, and everything that I, most of my experiences have come from a seed, a conversation, an article, overhearing something, and all of a sudden it's like that seed is planted in me and it starts to flourish. And so the idea, I think, came that Australians were doing very well in London, in the health industry, in the wellness industry. They were being picked up very quickly and, uh, and there was great opportunity to travel and to work and to engage. Now that's a whole different kettle of fish, my time in London, you know, from the financial markets to working in Frankfurt and the stock markets to back to health and all these sort of things. But so it's, it's but really what, what drove me was it's the seed for change. I was looking for change and a seed arrived and I planted that seed. And then I made contact with people in the UK and one led to the next and said, you've got to come. Well, we have a position for you. You've got to come. You can do a presentation tour. We, you've got to come. And all of a sudden it just started to snowball. And I replicated my life at another, in Australia at another level in London for the next four years, touring, teaching, helping people consulting and all those sort of things. Right. And then you decided, so what was the seed that brought you home? The seed was, I think I could feel the same plate spinning again. So if we take out the, the, the face, the name, the gender, that all of those identities and really all, uh, or everyone is just energy. They're just a, a frequency, which light refracts from, and that's who we are then calling a name. So those same plates, those same energies were again appearing in my life. And I thought, hmm, it's a call to come home. It's a call to come and do a reset. And so then, you know, the, the moment I decided that, it sort of, it was again a very similar length of time from leading up to when I decided to go in the first place. So it was a couple of months that I made the decision, let everything, and then I booked and then gone. And... Um, and then within, I'd say within two months, oh no, actually it was within a month of being home, my grandfather, very much loved grandfather on my father's side, um, you know, I remember walking in uh, to, to see them, uh, Nana and Nunu, and he looked very jaundiced and I said, what's going on? And Nana said, oh, you've, you've got to talk to him. You know, there's something just not right. I said, no, there isn't. You've, you've got a blockage somewhere. So, uh, we need to get you to the doctor. So he went to the doctor, he was diagnosed with cancer, and within um, th three months he, was, he had transitioned. So obviously I came back not knowing what the nudge was so I could experience that and be around for that experience and then to be on the next, the next wave, so to speak. You know. So then that led you into creating this company, which you had for seven years, and then you, that was 2009, we have a crash. And then 2012, you have your awakening. Yeah. So 11, 12, 2012, that one moment, one message, one mission. And that is where my language immediately changed. It came forward from a download. So it came forward out of me. And really it was quantum conversation. It wasn't light language or anything like that, but it was really that intuition that it was always a capability of mine was now saying, okay, I understood at a, at a basic level how time and space worked. I understood the movement of cycles. I understood the grand scheme and tapestry of, uh, of cosmic energy, you know, and so... It, right, so like... Did I, yeah. 
So like, I love talking about awakenings. You and I have talked about awakenings, like those defining yeah. moments where like you just have this inner knowing. It just feels like, like it just mm. like you didn't know and then you did. Like it's just that simple, right? Because yeah. it can be that simple. Um, but I know that you, you kind of, because for those who are listening, I just want to give them the idea that, you know, you had begun your self-development work during the three years, right? From, from 2009 to 2012, you said you had a mentor, you were, you were like, engaging and surrounding yourself with people of that caliber and that level. Am I getting this right? Yeah. Well, really I had engaged it very into my very late teens by doing, you know, I did tarot and crystals and, you know, smudge sticks and all these little mini courses. And, uh, but it was only from 20 middle of 2011 through to the end of 2012 that I was, I was with that, uh, that, that gentleman. And then when I really love that you say one message, one, what is it? One, one, one moment, one, one, message. one message, one mission. And now that was that something that was taught or was that your download? That's my download. Like, so were you at an event when that happened or were you? Yeah. Just so, so no. typically we'd been doing back to back two and four day events and they, you know, and as part of the crew and part of uh, helping, um, uh, my mentor, you know, I was front and center the whole time with lots of energy and lots of, you know, uh, room activity energetically, but also, um, I guess, physically as well, you know, that uh, the movement of, of people, the transformation of people. And I, I really saw, again, the humanity in my mentor at the time. And at the end, you know, there's typically quite a shed, a shedding, because there's a letting down. You have to hold your frame, hold your vessel as that instrument of consciousness for three to four days consistently. And so you can hold a frame for the entire room. And this is like four, uh, three to 400 people at a time. And so then at the end, when everyone leaves and you've just got the crew and it was just a one-to-one and he was in tears and I was in tears. And then we looked at each other and that was the moment that was the lightning strike. And at that lightning strike, that was when, it, when I received I just think this is so powerful because you were present in those rooms for almost a year and a half before you actually had that lightning stroke, strike m moment, right? Yeah. So I had plenty of ahas beforehand and right. I've done, you know, shedding and really I was becoming more self-aware and those things. But at the time I actually had, was building a social media company at the time with a, a new business partner. And so again, it was like the shock. It was like saying, hang on a minute, I can go into this room and be totally you know, fulfilled, I can see how the placement of the chair should be alignment. So that structure creates perfection and perfection creates structure. And so, and then I could see the heat map as it were of the audience, but here's me doing social media, like what the, you know, and I was just not fulfilled at all. And right. uh, that was just, that was another moment and just said, stop, stop with Ooh. the crap. <laughs> okay, I don't know if you can share the mentor's name, and it's totally cool if you can't, but, like, what led you, there's so many, like, you're obviously a curious person by nature to, you know, mm -hmm. be led and follow all of these nudges and these urges and just to go with the flow of things, because a lot of people don't have that innately, right? They, they like to feel very grounded and change yes. is bad and all those kinds of things. So you're not, you don't carry that trait. We can just put that like off <laughs> the board, right? But like the, that, like I'm listening, I can hear so many different stories from different 
books that I've read almost like, you know, it's like the surrender experiment that you just kind of would get the information and, and just go with it. And then I hear like, you know, when you're talking about your mentor, I can't help but think of like someone like Joe Dispenza, who is creating these like yes. two to four day events that are, you know, consciousness and, you know, reprogramming and all those kinds of things. And like, where, where do you find yourself that gets you landed in a position that you are on a, like, in the committee that's doing these events, Matthew? <laughs> that's the first time I've been asked that question. I actually, I don't know. I think it's, it, it is about following the hunch. It's about following the, 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 the gut instinct. It's about following what I call the, the, the divine breadcrumbs. If there is energy there that is elevated and you can feel excited, you feel excited and inspired by it, follow it. You know, and, and that's instead of thinking, what would other people say? What would my partner say? What would, and that's, that's where we, we often arrive at. We need the permission or the buy-in of other people to, in order to follow the breadcrumbs. But follow the breadcrumbs. And it's, it, it always ends I know, up well. that still doesn't mm -hmm. answer the question about how you like, what was the breadcrumb that led you to be like, yeah, I am totally going to like hang out with well, this guy and do two to and four day back to back <laughs> like events for year and a half. I went to one of his seminars with my business partner at the time who I met through another chance encounter with an earlier mentor who used, got me to do some work for him. He was in social media and, and you know, marketing and all those sorts of things. It just, and we said, okay, let's grow our business. Let's grow this business. So we went to this business event. Now, I think straight away, I thought, need to be involved in this community. I was looking for a place to plug my umbilical cord into and be a part of a community and be, you know, uh, part of a family. And I, and I like the unity sort of consciousness that was a part of that. Um, and within, I'd say within three months of being, a participant, a member, a student, and going to the events, it was then saying the tap on the shoulder, come and crew. And then from there it was, you need to be all the time. And then there was that, that connection, that electromagnetic charge that they just said, well, I'm receiving so much out of these. And I know you're receiving so much out of these. And so are 400 other people. And so, that's where the chemical bond came. And then from that was, it really was just a personal experience. Right. Really a personal experience. And one day I remember he, um, he had finished it. We were in a, in a, uh, a half break or a session or something. And he looked at me and he said, you've, you've, you've just dropped into your, your authentic nature. And I had, and he could see it. I was not holding this bravado anymore of being a businessman. I was now, a spiritual leader. I was in my zone and I was with people rather than holding myself as this senti uh, as this sentinel that was standing guard the whole time. I was now in and amongst it. That's so cool. And mm. I'm curiously wanting to know what, um, what it would be like to be in a room like that. Like as it doesn't even matter, like even as the, you know, the guard persona and then as the true self, right. There is, there's gotta be just like such an elevated state that just, 
I don't know. Like, I'm just like trying to like energetically place myself in that room through you to almost mm. like feel what you, you felt in those moments. Oh, I just, I felt incredible honor. I felt presence. Um, I ate very lightly across the weekend and across those, those days. I could stand for 15, 16 hours, no problem. And so we would hold certain positions around the room. You could be at point, which is right at the front in line with the stage, or you could be around at the back. So I was either right there holding opposition, which is holding the, the polarity view of the speaker or around at the other side. And so it's just an honor and just seeing the transformation of people that come in the room on day one and they, they've got a business idea as an example. And there is such vigor and, you know, inspiration and energy, but there's also trepidation. And they've got all these walls up because they're trying to be something in the world of business that they couldn't allow themselves to resolve or be in their personal life. And by the end of the first day, there's tears starting to be shed. People are starting to pop and realize, hey, the game of business is a personal one. It, you, you, you've got to invest in yourself. And, uh, and what I was really getting through that, that humbling was seeing that people would, they just wanted support. They wanted unconditional love, which was to just to be present with them. Don't have to solve their problems for them. Just be present with them, accept them for who they are and, and hold space for them. And so for me, I found that easy and really enjoyable and, it wasn't about the words. It was something beyond that. And so really the spirituality was that deep aspect of me that always wanted to come forward in my companies and in my work, but I always suppressed it because of fear of, being, of judgment. What the hell is this woo-woo stuff? You're in the medical field or the, the wellness field. What are you doing reading or seeing into the body? You can't validate that, and yet the patients or the clients would. That's so amazing. And so you have this like moment in 2012 where basically everything changes in a moment. Like we can just yes. put that down. Like we can let yes. listeners know <laughs> everything can change in a moment. That's totally cool. What, where do you go from that? Do you stay working with this mentor or do you just kind of look up and say like, my t I, this was what I came for. My time here is done and then continue in a different way. Yeah, I, I knew that it, it had reached its pinnacle and it was a couple of months after that. It was, I think it was six months after that, that there was a wind off from there. But there was lots of new experiences that came from that, you know, downloads, visuals. Um, yeah, spon just spontaneous events physiologically and metaphysically that would happen to me. Um, and... At, for the, I think the next three to six months, I was really trying to wrap my head around what does this mean? Like, how do I then move this forward uh, and, and um, embody? I'd already embodied the information, but I hadn't deeply um, ingrained it because it was within me. I hadn't in, in, ingrained it fully because I wasn't sharing it. Right. And so really the, the vision, it, it, which is probably worth sharing, the vision was the flower of life mm. enshrouding um, the, the, uh, the planet Earth and in all celestial bodies as well, but, but Earth. And all the intersecting circles, at each intersecting circle was a point of line. 
And the point of light represented the awakening of that region through people activating and using their own unique talents, gifts and ability and sharing those with others in the world. And so that's where I started to work with entrepreneurs and people that wanted to awaken their own gifts and move them forward in a signature program or a product or do little healing groups or retreats or whatever it may be. But that has that's uh, unfolded quite considerably from there, which keeps pulling me to this day and says, you know, there is, uh, there's a lot of points of light on the planet. There are a lot of intersecting circles and there are many people. And for those, those we can call them light grids, right? Like they're yeah. mm-hmm. right. For those who are aware of that, that terminology and those words, but I'm going to ask a question. We're going to get a little personal here, Matthew. Go for it. As you rustle in your chair. I know. I'm like, I'm getting comfy and cozy for this one because now (laughs) this is now into your thirties now that you have this experience, right? Yeah. Uh, No. So yeah, this is my, yeah. Uh, late thirties, late thirties, somewhere in this story, like, cause we've talked about all this, where the, where the, was there ever love? Was there ever like relationship, like all that kind of stuff. Right. Because I'm, I'm listening to this beautiful, like, you know, following, of the breadcrumbs that you just innately knew what to do. So like, can we like, was love involved in any of that? I'm a bit of a romantic. Of course you are. Of course. And, and so am I at my deep being, my wife might not tell me, I might not share the same with you because you might say, Oh, you you know, you're too this or you're too that. But yes, there was always love. There was always love. And, and I, I think um, most deeply that my biggest turning points have been the, engagement of love and the separation from love. They've been my biggest turning points. So, you know, when, you know, everything started to unwind around 2009, 2010, and then, you know, the, the partner I was with at the time that I have three beautiful children with, you know, that all started to unwind and unfurl quite dramatically. And then, so there were lessons in there, but it's almost like each of those points were the next invitation to say, what did you learn from there? And what did you learn about not being yourself? And what did you learn about being a self that you no longer subscribe to in whether it was codependency, cohabitation, co-creation, whatever you want to call it? What did you learn? And so then that the, the instrument um, or so the, the next lightning strike comes from that in that space, in that void between relationships for me. When you're in it, the plates are spinning and there's friction or there's engagement and there's lessons, but you're in it. And so um, it, 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 it changed me. You know, um, my wife, uh, Kirsten now, is, uh, you know, we met uh, on this journey after, you know, um, my awakening, you know, that next level awakening. And I say for her that it, it must have been, I'd say, a little bit challenging to have this full explosion of this human being and to just be starting something. So there was a super curiosity on her side and on my side. But at at one point there's, you know, there was like, well, what is it about you that makes you so special to have that when I haven't yet or whatever it may have been. And that might be a vulnerable share on behalf of her, but she's well and truly on her way now. But when, and that creates some friction too. So deep inside me and my own biology, there, has, there was a belief that in order to evolve, you can't be with someone for your entire life. 
that was a deep belief in me. That's very cool. And I think that there's maybe some people listening who are on their spiritual journey and maybe have had their awakening and maybe, you know, they're wondering like, cause you, you had awakened when you met Kirsten or Kristen? Kirsten. Yeah. Kirsten. I knew I was going to yeah. get that right. Kirsten, right? That's right. So like, yeah. That was not like something that was part of your like, okay, I need to be with an awakened woman in order to, you know, like experience life at the level that I am. Right. That, mm-hmm. that wasn't part of the credentials that you were like, you know, yeah. must have awakening to <laughs> like <laughs> matching superhero undies, you know, whatever it's going to be. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it was just love period exclamation mark. Yeah. yeah. I just think that that's a really important thing for others to hear, especially if a, they've had their awakening or B they haven't had their awakening and they're with somebody who has right mm. and we've talked about this from the level of like i have had my awakening but my husband hasn't yeah right and you know um let's can i ask your take on what it that does for people like if you are awakened and with somebody who hasn't or you are dating somebody you've had your awakening and start dating somebody who hasn't like what is the benefit to that experience it's a it's a great question we could do a whole show just on this um so i was actually uh explaining this my view of it to you know my master members as well the other day because some of them are going through this same thing let's put it this way when you have the the uh, the the aspects let's call them the, the the masculine the feminine principle coming together you know Quite often, one is present to help disrupt and evolve the other, just as the other is present to help disrupt and evolve. We are, so you are both counterpoints, whether you're of the same gender or, or not, does not matter. You are, you are counterpoints. But the counterpoint is, exists so that you can create a simultaneous growth curve. And what I mean by that is for someone to awaken now, and someone to awaken later is a human judgment. It's just a human perception. What is now and what is later? They may have awoken a millennia ago and have chosen to be sleepers in this life to support you. The other side is if there is friction, which means you feel you're so grand and you're the guru and you're just this awakened super being, who the F do you think you are? There is clearly charge in the other person and vulnerability because they too seek what you are experiencing. So if, but if there is no charge and there is only support, then there is a solemn, you know, beautiful, uh, you could say agreement in place, energetic agreement to support each other. I accept and embrace you and your journey for, for, and who you are just as you do with me. But if there is friction, one is resenting the other, like, why won't you come with me? The awakened, sometimes I've heard this, I've just woken up. Why won't my husband come with me typically? Mm-hmm. You know, because I need to feel better about the decisions I feel I need to make. And I'd rather he be on board with me because I feel guilty making them. And I need the permission of my partner because really I know that there's change and there's change in a big way coming. So I need the enrollment of the other person. That is not going to work because the other person will entrench themselves deeper as you want to go higher. It's just the laws of polarity. So there really needs to come to an understanding. This is my journey. This is your journey. Now, at some point, you, your change may help to trigger the release of trauma or the desire, the pulse 
within the other person, just as their presence has helped you be triggered as well, whether it was from an external stimulus or an external event. Everyone has their own timing for a reason. So if we had, you know, like the um, graphic equalizers on the, you know, that used to move up and down on the old uh, cassette players and, and uh, you know. I know um, exactly what you're talking all about. All those sort of things. If everyone, if all ships rose at the same time on the planet, there would be no need to go through the lessons and to actually morph and change and experiment with energy and frequency. It'd just be, well, that's done. What, where do we go next? That was a bit boring. <laughs> Anticlimactic. We're all yeah, okay. We made it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now let's watch the reruns on uh, IMAX movie, uh, movie cinema, you know. So then my question for you is like um, from the level of energy, right? So you're, we tend to want to gravitate towards those who, like if you are in a lower vibrational state, you will gravitate to others in a lower vibrational state because that's where you're supported, right? Like if you want to complain, then you want to surround yourself with complainers who are going to validate your, your complaining. When you elevate your emotional state and your vibration, you want to hang out with other people that are at an elevated state because again, there's that validation of the language that you use, right? Like the language that we're using, right? Some people might, yeah. might be like, what are they talking about when they're listening to this, right? <laughs> if, if they haven't reached this level, right? So what's your take or your perception on, you know, um, when you amplify or you raise your vibration, you have the capacity to kind of almost like allow those in your life to, to amplify with you if they're open. Like it's almost like their vibration has no other alternative but to shift at incremental levels to rise to where you are. Yes. So left, left alone someone vibrating at a higher frequency will do the work unconsciously because the innate intelligence will do, do the work left alone means the other people are not directly influenced through dogma or through you've got to do it this way, or why don't you use self-reflection or you know, if they're not ready for it, the okay. mere presence of the rose attracts mere presence of the bee attracts. So doing, being who we are and, and vib vibrationally aligned with who we are, meaning to honor it and to respect it, to not run away from it or push it down and deny it, means that it is inevitable that those that come into contact with us, just as we, those that we come into contact with ourselves, that there is going to be an exchange. And therefore there is going to be some form of coherence, or dissonance and either the coherence occurs and you stay in each other. So harmonic resonance and you stay in each other's vibration or there's harmonic uh, or there's dissonance where you start to repel like both ends of the magnet and then one needs to bounce. And if you bounce, you need to bounce out. You bounce out of the room, you bounce out of the relationship, you bounce out of the career, whatever it's going to be. That too is, is acceptable and it's it should be seen without judgment because i strongly feel that our relationships have been going um through tremendous change you know we've been taught that marriage is an institution that is certified under law of religion however or under law of god written by man but really where we're going is and have been for for quite some time but becoming more conscious of it is what is what is a relationship anyway? What is marriage? 
if someone is on their journey and they are conscious of their journey, regardless of where they position themselves, they've just started, you know, uh, doing the rune stones or they've started to look into, you know, uh, candle gazing or whether they're meditating for four hours and they are out of body and they are doing, you know, distant healings on other, you know, uh, uh, other planets, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. So the allowing of, of each person, each being, to undergo their own journey, I think it is, is with the full conscious understanding that love is present through the honoring of someone else's journey. Means that do we need to be physically located in the same place at the same time under the same roof in order to have a relationship? No. Do we need to be doing the same things at the same time and having the same conversations? All no. Do we need to be doing separate things all the time? So it is undergoing a, a big shift. And that's where I, I feel when someone is on their development journey, and especially when they've really started to have the penny drop, they start to question everything. And that is natural. They start to question their belief systems. They start to question, who am I? Where do I exist? Where do I want to be? And there's almost like this repulsion. I will reject everything so, um, subconsciously until I am aware of what it is I do want. It's mm, yeah. a big statement. Mm. Matthew, do you ever get caught in your ego anymore? Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's an important thing because I think we can hear each other. Or we can hear conversations such as these and like, you know what I mean? To be like, oh, he's so enlightened or he's, you know, had this massive transformation and he's living into his, his true self and all of these things. But I think this is a very human conversation to have just to yeah. ask that question. Yeah, it, it is. Look, the, it's the ego um, without awareness is destructive. The ego with awareness is creative. So, you know, it's part of our human um, humanness. We have a body, therefore we have karma. We have a body, therefore we have experience. So we have ego so that we can learn to be hum human. Like what's the most ego thing you've done recently? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Eating too much ice cream? Maybe. Uh... Oh my God, I love you even more for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I am like addicted to ice cream. That was I, don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I've. No, I'm not sure. I don't, to, to me, it's like, you know, growing up uh, in, in uh, Catholic college, Catholic schools and all the rest, and, you know, it just didn't really gel with me in, the, in my mid teens. Something clicked. And I thought, why all these years, why do I need to pray for my sins? What have I done? Like, what have I done so bad? And I, I, I just couldn't comprehend it. So that's another conversation. Really sin is sign. Sign is sine wave. Sine wave is of the body. A sin is having a body, which is being of matter, matter of the material world. Therefore the mortal body, which is the cross. So, you know what I mean? So it's, it's all. You just went from your late last ego experience to that whole thing. People are like, okay, that's not very ego. Well, I'm sorry about that. Maybe that was my ego stepping in. I just thought that there was you great. Go. Pop, pop, pop that. I can't help myself. It just wants to pour out. I know. And I, I love that. So I know that, you know, we, we kind of jumped off the ship of like you really stepping into your purpose and your, and your passion, right? One moment, one message, 
one mission. Yeah, I got it. Uh, to really like align yourself. And I know that you started with all the different entrepreneurs and helping them support in, in themselves, figuring out what their, their true self and their light was and, and how to step up and, you know, do the work that they were placed here on this earth to do. So where did that lead? Like, where are you now? How is that like story concluding? Well, it's again, it's concluded to say, stop with the, the distractions, stop with the things that don't fit who you've always been and who you really are. You know, don't go and build another social media company unless it's, you know, um, (laughs) around spirituality or whatever it's going to be. So really that next phase was me learning to walk in new shoes. And so now I am just totally turned on and activated by these types of conversations and helping people grow their business, whether they have, you know, a grandiose vision or whether they want to just, you know, step things up 20 to a hundred percent. But most importantly, it's understanding that everything is energy. Everything is alive. The plastic chair is a vibration of energy. It just seems inanimate. So if we can engage the world around us energetically, through the understanding that everything is energy, therefore everything is alive, then aren't we going to be happier? Aren't we going to be you know, more inspired to engage those aspects of life that are preferred? That's, and so that's where Zero Limits is. And that's, that's, that's my baby. And that's what I just cherish and want to help as many people uh, shift their realities, leave the past behind and create uh, most incredible futures for themselves. So, because you and I have talked about this, was it the engagement of being in those live experiences that kind of has the, you know, seed and niggle, like kind of like up in your grill about creating live experiences too? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because for all that we've talked, this is why I love doing podcast interviews, you guys. For all that Matthew and I have talked recently, I did not know all of this. So I didn't have all the connecting dots to the conversations that we were having about where you were going and what you wanted to experience and how you wanted to bring people together and all that. But now that I've actually had this conversation, I'm like, well, get it. Totally get it now. Like everything makes so much more sense. So I'm so grateful that you agreed to come on to this podcast and share your experiences with us. I'm incredibly grateful to be here as well and to share it. I mean, it's, you're very perceptive and your linking of the dots and uh, pulling together the pieces of the puzzle is, is beautiful. I love it. Well, I think that there's a level in which, you know, I truly believe as you do when we're in these kinds of conversations and I'm tuning into the listener and what it is that they truly want to have their experience that be while they are listening to you and I, that's where the questions come from. That is Mm -hmm. where, you know what I mean? Even though, and I just want to give the people who are listening this information, even though there aren't any listeners, currently by the looks of how Matthew and I are having this conversation, there are already listeners because at some point, right, like in some dimension, this has already occurred. And so I can tap in (laughs) to the people who are participating, right, and I can find out the information that they want from this conversation, be able to offer it to them for the questions that we ask and, and how we answer. So I think that, you know, that's a fun way to kind of help people understand the ideas. Of- oh, it's a brilliant way. And we could have, again, a whole nother we might, show. We might have to have more podcasts. That. 
next interview, I, man. I, I think so. If everything is energy because it is, then everything is engageable and therefore every idea conceived already exists. And if that's the case, then raise your belief structure to match that and watch your life change. Just, it's, yeah. It's cosmically awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> And for those who tune into the YouTube, you will see that Matthew is in fact in a flash um, shirt. And so he's got the lightning bolt of electricity on his chest. But those who are listening to the actual audio now know that information as well, because Matthew's energy is intensely amazing. Um, but Matthew, for those who are like, I love this guy, like, holy moly, like I need more of, you know, uh, no limits in my life. I want to experience what you're experiencing and to hear you speak more about these things. Where would they go to find you? Well, you can go to my website, matthewpaddy.com. You'll, uh, you'll see events and, you know, uh, the self-paced program, the Shape Your Best Life is there. We have a brand new uh, free global community on Facebook. So you can look up uh, Zero Limits Shape Your Best Life group and uh, find us there. But uh, other than that, or find me on Facebook and reach out. I'm always happy to have a conversation with, with anyone who is serious about taking themselves and their life to the next level. I like the way you said serious. <laughs> that was yeah, it. <laughs> we, I think you and I like to go deep uh, and go deep quickly. The part of that compassion compass is going, I know where you're at. I'm not your guy right now. Yeah. You need someone to slowly walk you through and to, you know, let, if you want to shift and you want to shift in a big way and you, you don't want to, uh, you're not afraid of getting in a submersible and just getting into it. Yep. Do it. And I'm feeling you're the same. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one of my, my last question, the one that is for me, but I pretend it's for other people, but it's for <laughs> <laughs> so open and honest. Yeah. Um, I always like to ask what, and you can only choose one and it's whatever comes up. What is the one book you would say transformed your life the most in your lifetime here? Wow. Just one, whatever the first one is, trust it. <laughs> the first one that, that came to mind was a uh, Carlos Castaneda book. Well, that's a bit of a... He's got a series. I'm trying to think. It's back in my late 20s and early 30s. But anything to do with Carlos Castaneda, that that, uh, that mysticism, that, uh, you know, Native American sort of storytelling and deep spiritual truth. So Carlos Castaneda. I trust that Matthew's going to send me this information or some titles (laughs) and I will add them to the show. I'll find it. I don't want to get on my phone straight away and go, what was it? Because it was that three or four and I've read so many things since then. So, yeah. I love it, but I'm so grateful that that's what came through. And I'm super curious as to what the book is and we will share that but thank you i just you know i love hanging out with you and spending time with you matthew thank you so much for sharing your energy with everybody that's listening i loved it absolutely loved it and i am sincere if you want to do more of them let's go down the rabbit hole it's uh we can continue the fun it's been a pleasure that would be so interesting let us know you guys tag us both on instagram that's in the show notes as well and say like yes i i truly want to um you know, see and hear and and be a part of more conversations about this kind of stuff because quantum is like kind of like my fave (laughs) and I know it's Matthew's favorite too. So it's it's like our ice cream. It's it's a must have. I know. And we are softening the conversation in this particular episode. We could go way harder in the terminology and the language, but only if you guys 
are desiring it. So let us know and have a fantastic day. And I can't wait to share another interview with you very soon.